This is Bill Lytell, Senior Pastor of Gospel Baptist Church again, and we have the opportunity to preach the Word of God. This message is for May 3rd, 11 a.m., our services, and so uh, we're looking forward to opening the church and getting it ready for people to come again, and I think everybody all over the country, in fact, many places in the world are looking forward to this time of trouble passing us by and reopening the word of the uh, church and getting out there with the word for the lost people, getting our buses rolling again, Sunday school cranked up, and seeing people getting the word of God, going door to door and all the other person-to-person contact that we have to have to fulfill the Great Commission. And so I want to give you a, uh, I want to talk about a phrase in John chapter 8, verse 51. John chapter 8, verse 51. Jesus' words Interesting, never heard him anywhere else. Nobody ever said anything like this with the Lord Jesus. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. He shall never see death. I've been around long enough to be at the bedside of a few people that have died. I have also been around folks and watched them go through what I call the agony of death. Uh, maybe for six, seven, eight years, depending on what's wrong with them. Oftentimes, it's a slow, harsh process, the thing called dying. Uh, but the, And so my right away, when I read this, knowing that, I mean, I'm like, what? Verily I say to you, if any man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. I'm for that. How about you? I'm for that. In John chapter 3, verse 36, also Jesus' word, he say, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So what, what is this death he's talking about? Well, obviously it cannot be a physical death. This arch enemy called death, and it is the arch enemy of mankind. Death is important enough that Jesus promised those who followed him that they would be spared the experience of seeing death. And he also promised those who missed trusting him as their personal savior that they would miss the experience of seeing life. In fact, the very wrath of God would be poured out upon them. This is the truth not preached in too many pulpits, but when I was a young kid, this was preached everywhere all the time warning people that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. What we have today across the world, a lot of these pastors want to talk about the good and they don't want to talk about what they call the bad. They want to talk about the positive, but they don't want to talk about the negative. Uh, to me, it's just the Bible. I'm not going to group the Bible in, in positive or negative. I'm just going to say it's the Word of God from front to back, top to bottom, and it's inspired, forever settled in heaven, and God wants us to preach the whole counsel of God. So I'm not going to try to say, well, this is real positive and this is real negative. I'm not going to tell you whether this sermon's positive or negative. If this sermon touches somebody and they get saved, it's positive. I mean, there could be nothing but positive in that. If somebody listens to this, ignores it, and goes about their way, and eventually has to die in their sins, it's, it was, it's a very negative experience for them. Because every time you hear the gospel, you become more responsible to the gospel. Every time you listen to a guy preach on the radio, you become, or TV, or whatever you, you happen to have, you become more responsible to the, to the information 
that you've had. Where there's more light, there's more responsibility, there's more judgment, more accountability. And so all of that works together there. So this arch enemy called death, only two people, physical death, only two people I know of in the Bible have been able to beat it. Enoch in Genesis uh, walked with God and was not, for God took him. And Elijah was taken up in the very eyes of Elisha in the chariot of fire. In uh, Genesis chapter 5, verse 24 was Enoch. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11 was where it talked about the whirlwind taking up Elijah. As far as I know, those are the only two people in the Bible that did not have to experience physical death. So this, what Jesus is talking about here in, in, in John 8 cannot be physical death because the rest of us, no matter if John the Baptist had his head cut off, he had to experience physical death. Well, that wasn't, think of it, guards coming in his cell. He didn't know what was going on. The two guards possibly said, John, I'm sorry, but the orders have come down from Herod to behead you. And nobody, what's it feel like to be beheaded? What's, what's the whole experience? Well, they take the guy down. They walk him. That walk towards the place where they're going to take your head off it has to be some, not a comfortable, you know, situation. And eventually they have you get down on your knees, maybe put your head down on a block of wood, and, and you don't know what's going on. You're just waiting for the blow. Is it going to hurt? How's it going to feel? What's going to happen? All of a sudden, boom, it's over. And an angel of God, I believe, collects the dead. will show up and say, hey, John, you're with me. And uh, but he so so physical death, uh, we're not spared from it. I mean, we're unless we we were participants in the rapture of the church. I can guarantee you one thing in life: you're going to die. You are going to experience the. And I'm gonna say it's scary. It's a horror. Death is considered our enemy. Uh, it, it's because of sin death was allowed to take over this whole world and everything. So nobody wants to die. I I get it. So the phrase "see death." Uh, I believe, means to participate in death. I get that from Psalm 89, verse 48. What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? It means to participate in death, because everybody participates in that. So the promise of the, to the believer here is not physical, not to be spared from seeing physical death. And we've lived long enough, you've been around long enough to know that. Uh, people die all around you. Uh, so it must mean something else. And uh, so you say the question, preacher, uh, what kind of death is, is he, Jesus, referring to in, in John chapter 8, verse 51? Well, I believe it is the second death. The Bible refers to the second death. The kind the church was promised not to be hurt by, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 11, he that hath an ear lame here with the Spirit saith to the churches, he that overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So one of the churches there is being promised, hey, you're going to escape that. Jesus said, if you, if, you, if you keep his commandments, do his will, or born again, uh, you're going to miss, uh, you're, gonna, you're not even going to see death. So because we know we physically die, it must be referring to this thing called the second death. Let me define it. Here. This second death is the kind that those who take the mark of the beast are promised to experience. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 10, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And in verse 11 there it says, The smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and there shall be no rest day or night, who worship the beast in his image, who shall receive the mark of his name. What kind of death is it? It's the kind that those who are part of the first resurrection will miss. 
Revelation 20, verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, and such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the born-again believers promise not to, be, to escape from that death, but the unbeliever is promised to experience that death. What kind of death is it? The kind that all those who miss the book of life must suffer. Revelation 20, verse 14 15. A well, well, a well trod verse here, these two. And death and hell were cast in the lake and fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's stop here and say this. Whatever, wherever you are, whatever your condition is, whatever your understanding is, let me say this to you. Your name needs to be written in the book of life. You need to find out how to get your name written in the book of life. Because if your name is not written in the book of life, according to Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, you're going to be cast in the lake of fire. Now, I can tell you that's sobering thought, and you need to investigate it. You need to get a Bible. Read John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21. Read Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. You need to get a Bible and start meet with somebody that's born again and say, hey, what is this thing called salvation? What is this thing called the gospel? Let me know about this because I do. I want to get my name in the book of life. What kind of death is this preacher? It's the kind that all those listed in verse 8 of chapter 21 of Revelation will suffer. But the fearful, how much fear we got going on right now? God's people are not fearful. One thing about God's people is they don't walk around biting their nails wondering what's going to happen. We've been told what's going to happen. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. We've been told how the whole thing's going to end. We've been told where we're going after we die. We've, we've told the Holy Spirit will never leave us nor forsake us. We've been told the angels of God gather the dead. Uh, we've been told there's a place uh, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Why? We don't have fear. Perfect love, the Bible says, casts out fear. So if you're sitting there being worried about the coronavirus, stop it. If you're, if, you're, uh, if, if you're having nightmares and anxiety attacks because of the coronavirus, stop it. Because born-again believers, we, are, we have assurance and peace. Well, we know the God of peace, and we have the peace of God. We don't have to go around. And, and it's interesting, in Revelation 21.80 says, but the fearful. A lot of us don't consider that a big problem or a big sin. You wouldn't consider that on a list of 49 different sins mentioned in the Bible. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say that's going to be the top. But according to this verse, it says the fearful, the very first thing mentioned. Now notice the second thing he mentions, the unbelieving. Now we know unbelief is, a, is the foundation of all sin. In, in Garden with Adam and Eve, the problem they had was unbelief. And everybody that ever sins has a problem of unbelief. You don't believe the Word of God, or you don't maybe know the Word of God, or you won't pursue the Word of God. You just don't believe it's necessary for you, don't believe it's important to you, and consequently don't pursue it. You don't go to church to listen to the Word of God preach. You won't listen to it on, on your uh, a CD player or on, on a stick or on your computer. You don't want anything to do with it. Unbelief. What caused you to do all that? Unbelief. What caused you to do your own thing? Unbelief. What's the foundation of all sin? Unbelief. So we have the fearful first, unbelieving second, abominable. That's, there's 21 of them in the Bible. There's 21 different abominable things that people do that just makes God sick. It's detestable. And the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. 
shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, I have people foolishly come to me and say, Preacher Bill, I just don't believe there's a hell. I don't believe a loving God would have a hell. Well, you can believe what you want to believe or don't believe what you don't want to believe, but I'm telling you what the Bible says, and Jesus uh, talked more about hell than he even did heaven. Uh, he came to save us from hell. He doesn't want you to go to hell. God's love of the world. He gave us only begotten Son. He's done everything he could to stop you from going to hell. Yet if you persist in your unbelief and persist in your arrogance, someday Jesus Christ, the judge of all the world, is going to be the very one at the great white throne judgment to pronounce you guilty, and he must answer for your own sin and be cast in the lake of fire. The very one. You can say you don't believe it all you want, but the Bible's full of references to hell. What we call hell, generally, is referred to, as I say here, the lake of fire. What kind of death is this that Jesus is talking about that we're not going to see? The kind that Jesus refers to is also called everlasting punishment. Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. You say, Brother Bill, what kind of death is it he's referring to in John 8, 51? Well, the kind that the beast and the false prophet will be cast into. In uh, Revelation 19, 20, it says, but they were both cast alive in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. What kind of death is this, uh, Pastor Bill, that Jesus is referring to? It's the kind that Jesus warns us to fear rather than fearing physical death. I don't know anybody that's comfortable with physical death, but what you better be real uncomfortable with spiritual death or this thing called the second death. Jesus' words, Matthew 10, 28, fear not them which kill the body. Oh, man. But they that are able, not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Wow. Wow. That's as clear as crystal. So when those two men came to get John the Baptist in prison, they said, John, I'm sorry, but Herod's ordered you to be beheaded. Uh, John did not have to fear those two men or the executioner that was going to behead him. Uh, he had already feared God. He had already believed God. He had already been uh, a part of the family of God, been saved. And so John walked to that place where they, they committed the execution on him. He didn't have to fear that, and he didn't have to fear what happened after that. What's sad about those people without Jesus is they are not only are their whole lifetime held in bondage by fear of death, physical death, but after physical death, then the real fear comes, and that is the thing called eternal death or everlasting death, big. What kind of death is this, Brother Bill? Uh, it's, it's the Jesus, Matthew chapter 18, verse 9, amazing, really. Uh, and in Mark chapter 9, verse 42, it's the kind of death that it would be, it would be better to cut your hand off or your foot off or to pluck your eye out than to be part of that death. Now, that's, that's amazing. That's big. Imagine plucking your own eye out. I can't. Imagine cutting your own hand off. I, I can't. Uh, imagine cutting your own foot off. I can't. I can't even imagine that. That's not even, I can't even get my mind around that. But he says each time, he says, it, you, it, it, I'm going to read you about the eye. If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. For it is better to thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes be cast into hell fire, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Those are Jesus' words. Jesus is saying that. The Savior that was to come to save mankind that died on the cross that loves you. He's trying to keep you from going there. What kind of death? What kind of death is this? It's the kind of death that most religious leaders are going to suffer. 
Matthew 23, 33, he says, These serpents, a generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Yes, Brother Bill, the same kind of death that Jesus was referring to in John chapter 8 and verse 51. So you mean, Pastor Bill, if I follow Jesus, that I can escape this kind of death? If you will honestly repent of your sins, that's, a, that's an attitude, by the way, not a word. It is, I'm sorry that I've sinned against God and done these all horrible things. You say, what horrible things? My goodness, I don't have time to tell you how many horrible things. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understand it. There's none that seeketh after God. We've all gone astray, everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. You just simply realize you're a sinner, unable to save yourself by any amount of good works. I, I just about go crazy when somebody tries to tell me I've tried to keep the Ten Commandments. The truth is you've probably broken all the Ten Commandments in the spirit of them. And so don't start standing on your righteousness. In fact, don't stand on your righteousness or goodness at all. Go to God and say, God, if there's any goodness in me, it'll be you're going to give it to me. So I'm a sinner unable to save myself. I believe Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. No one else, not Muhammad, not these other people. There's one Savior, there's one Lord, and it's Jesus. And you honestly believe that with all your heart. The Bible says, and you ask Him to save you, because whosoever receive, it says in John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as received Him, to them gave me power to become the sons of God. So it's a reception. In other words, people come right up to the place of asking and stop. God forbid, don't do that. Get on your knees. I, I mean, I don't care what position you get in. And say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner unable to save myself. I repent of my sins. Would you save me? Ask him to save you. But to as many as received him, make it happen. Shut the door. Get in a room by yourself. Get with God. Get the Bible out, John chapter 3. Get it out, read it, verse 16 to 21, and God will speak to you and come to you because you do not want to go through the fate of the second death. Uh, so what, what was this, this death, this death that he talks about in 851? Um, I, I thought, was, what was exactly what, I may ask the question, what was Jesus saying there? Well, you can escape the horror of knowing for all eternity, that you could, have, you could have escaped it if you had humbled yourself and believed the gospel. I know it's a little redundant. But if you trust Christ your Savior, you're going to escape the horror of those folks that miss Jesus, that spend eternity wishing they hadn't missed Jesus, that spend eternity reviewing the sermons they heard and ignored, the tracts they received and ignored. The people who stopped by their house on door to door and they, they, they told them to get out, they weren't interested. The TV uh, channels that they could have gotten the gospel of that they went by. All of the hundreds and hundreds of opportunities they had to be saved. Don't you think somebody in hell is going to be reviewing that? I do. I believe it's right. You can escape the horror of knowing that no matter how long you suffer, it's just the beginning. There's no end to it. No end. Revelation 14, 11, the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. And they had no rest day or night. I, I've been, through my life, I had two years where I didn't have, wasn't able to sleep for some reason. My mind was like so turned on and moving, it wouldn't quiet down so I could sleep. And I have never in my life known a harder test to go through in those two years that I had, it seemed like I had no peace at night. It was a horror. 
I would try to lay down, and my mind would start thinking about stuff and racing around, and I'd be back up. I'd walk around, drink some hot water, drink hot milk, drink hot everything, tried all kinds of remedies. And for two years, I didn't ever, never took drugs, never took mood enhancers, never took sleeping pills. I said, God, if you're going to deliver me, it'll be you that delivered me from this because I need you to come and help me and give me peace. Don't go to drugs for peace. Go to Jesus for peace. And eventually, for as fast as it came, it went one day. I, I stand here testifying to you right now that this peace that talks about having no rest, this, this lack of peace that talks about this having no rest is, is scary. Unbelievably. What can happen if you trust Christ as your Savior? You can escape the horror of knowing that many of your loved ones have gone to hell because you discouraged them. Not only discourage them about knowing about Jesus, you discourage them about going to church. You know what happens when a, when a, when a person gets born again? The first thing that happens is he gets phone calls from his relatives saying, now don't, be, now, don't, now don't take that too radical now. Don't you go crazy on this. You don't have to go to church. If you end up going to church at all, only go about you know, one hour a week's plenty. And what's happened to the modern church today They go one hour a week? The devil is against God's people getting together. I've seen it. The devil is against us being together because we're two or more gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. God's people get together. Normally they help each other, encourage each other towards heaven. God wants to, the devil himself wants to separate us. Boy, you can escape the horror of knowing that, like the rich man in Luke 16, that I have five brothers. I don't want them to come to this place, but let me say that. The rich man did nothing but encourage them to go to hell by his life. He wanted to go back and Write that wrong. That's still plaguing him today. 2,000 years down the road, that's still plaguing the rich man. Oh, my. My brothers have, have had to come here. Wow. What, what happens when you get saved? Well, you can escape by being saved, the gnashing of teeth and the weeping that Jesus describes in Luke chapter 13, verse 28. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When ye shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. What is this telling me? This is telling me that the folks who die and miss Jesus and go to the place called the lake of fire, go to the place called uh, everlasting punishment, go to the place called hell, uh, that they are not blacked out. They're not unconscious. In fact, they're very conscious, and they have ability to grieve and review the things they did wrong. There's going to be weeping. Not many of us have seen weeping or experienced weeping. Rarely even more is the gnashing of teeth. I saw um, there was a movie of uh, Highway Patrol put out in Ohio, and it had a guy that got in a wreck, and before seatbelts, he kind of got half thrown out of his vehicle and hit a post, and the post shut on his back. That man was, was laying out there in the grass, and I saw him taking his hands and digging into the grass and, and putting it in his mouth and gnashing on the grass and taking the other hand and grabbing He was screaming the whole time and grabbing the grass and putting it in his mouth and gnashing on it. That's gnashing of teeth. No one could even imagine how much pain that man was in with a broken back. But it was enough to make him gnash. The Bible says Jesus said, well, that understanding that in hell... There's going to be weeping, not crying, weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. But the terrible thing is it won't do a bit of good. It won't change a thing. Nothing's going to change. 
You say, Brother Bill, uh, well, if I trust Jesus as my Savior, what will happen? Well, you'll escape the horror of solitary confinement. Pitch blackness, not knowing what's beside you around you. And I dove at night before. If you want this kind of experience, you've got to dive at night about 30, 40 miles away from land. You get about 30, 40 miles away from land, you, and you lose all the light pollution. And, if, and, and when, the, when it gets dark, it doesn't get dark, it gets pitch black. And I've been in the water when I could raise my hand to my face and I could not see it. And I had this little pencil beam of a, of a flashlight in the water. And, you know, you're looking around wherever that little beam is, but you can't see beside the beam. There's no, there's no radiation of the light away from just that little beam. Now, what you don't want to see when you're in the water there is when you went over there about an eye about that big around of a shark going around you. But, you know, kind of in your mind, you think about that. You know, I'm going to whip this beam around. I'm going to whoop. All of a sudden, there's going to be a shark within three feet of me because you wouldn't know. And, so, and, and there's something that will disturb you in night diving is when something touches you. Because your mind's starting to think about that. There's also these big old jellyfish in the water. And there's other. And once in a while, something seems, will hit you. And boy, I mean, you're just around. Hell is going to be pitch blackness. You won't know what's beside you. Uh, I, I'm not quite even sure if there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Maybe you're going to be able to hear all that. Maybe that's going to be the sound of hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know for sure. It looks that way to me. But if you get born again, you're going to escape the horror of solitary confinement and pitch blackness, not even knowing what's beside you. Wow. In Matthew 8, 12, it says, The children of the kingdom should be cast out into outer darkness. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen. I'm not a red-faced Baptist preacher up here making this stuff up. I'm a child of God who cares about you and loves you and wants you to be saved. Man, don't you let anybody, anything stop you from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I get saved, preacher, what's going to happen? Well, you can escape the utter horror of, of, the, of fear itself, the unknown, and, and the thought of utter hopelessness that you'll be in in hell. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even, uh, even as others which have no hope. What? No hope. Now, in this world, everybody seems to be able to have some hope. But if you miss the Lord Jesus Christ and go to that second death, there's no hope in the second death. Some people have, have postulated that the worst thing about hell will not be the fire. It will not be not knowing what's around you and all the things I mentioned. It'll be the fact that you have no hope. No hope of escaping it. Wow, that's going to be big. What happens if you trust Christ your Savior? You can escape the utter horror of the pain of fire, the feeling of these worms crawling over you where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. He says it three different times in that chapter uh Mark chapter 9, verse 42 to 48, three different times. Now look, the Bible says something once is big. The Bible says something twice is big. But in the same paragraph, in the same passage of Mark, Jesus himself says three times, I suppose in honor of the Holy Trinity, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. I believe you can escape this. The good news I have for you, and that's really the definition of the word gospel, it's the good news. We have a Spanish church called Iglesia uh, Baptista Buenas Nuevas, the Good News Baptist Church. That's what the gospel means if you translated it. 
the name of our church could be called, we're Gospel Baptist Church. We're Good News Baptist Church. What's the good news? That you can trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And you can be delivered. How? By what He did for you. He shed His blood so that you wouldn't have to be accountable for your sins. He paid for your sins so that you wouldn't have to be accountable for your sins. He went to he died and went to hell for three days so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. He resurrected so that you can be resurrected. Everything's about Jesus. Everything's what he's done for us. You don't have to go there. Well, here's what he said in the same chapter of John we're in, in verse 21 instead of 51. He said, Jesus said again unto them, I go my way and you shall seek me and you shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Verse 24, it says, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. What kind of death is he referring to? I believe at this point of the message, you know what kind of death he's talking about. He's not talking about them physically dying, born again Christians, we all die. But he's talking about eternal separation from God in a place called hell everlasting punishment, the lake of fire, outer darkness. My dear brother and sister, you do not want to go there. I hope after hearing this message, you turn this off, get alone with God, and say, God, I don't want to go to hell. God, I want to miss hell. I know I'm a sinner, unable to save myself. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I don't know much about much, but would you save me? I cry out in simple childlike faith. Would you save me and be my Savior? You've been warned. You've been warned. If you miss, if you turn this off or if you listen to this and go about your way, and say, I think I'll get saved later, preacher. But you know what? None of us know when death's going to come by, physical death. It's a surprise most of the time. Most people don't get a lot of warning about death. They don't get cancer and say, hey, you got a year to live or six months to live. 150,000 people in America this year will have no symptoms at all and die instantly of a heart attack. That happens year after year after year. No symptoms, no chest pain till it's too late, no shortness of breath till it's too late, no going to the doctor and getting medicine. It's going to be too late. God has come by and your time is fulfilled. And you, your days have been numbered. And the angel of God comes by and calls your name. You're going with him. Now, you don't have to face that by yourself. Trust Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit of God. And the great comforter will be with you through that process, which still can be scary. Even the comforter will be with you through that process called physical death. Brother, after that, it's glory. May God help you. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.